Hi there, and welcome to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Sam Waldron, and if you're in the mood for beautiful love songs or serious jazz, I'm afraid you're just out of luck this time, because in this hour, we're going to devote ourselves to pure fun. The technical term for this show might be nonsense, but I'd rather think of it as recordings that are fun and unexpected. I'm not going to tell you too much about what's on tap, and I hope you'll trust me to do it right. Baby, I don't want to mess around. Your daddy wants to do right. Thank you, Tommy Sands, for that endorsement. I will tell you this much about what's coming up. We're going to hear a couple of songs about railroads, and we'll listen to what a lot of people think is the very worst song that Frank Sinatra ever recorded. So let's get started. Our first performance is by a singing group that originally called themselves the Nitwits. They later changed their name and had a 1958 million-selling hit record about a drag race between a Nash Rambler and a Cadillac. The Nash Rambler most likely had an 86-horsepower engine, while the Caddy probably had a V8 with about 350 horsepower. Here are the Playmates. The song is called Beep Beep. While riding in my Cadillac What to my surprise A little Nash Rambler was following me About one-third my size The guy must have wanted to pass me out As he kept on tooting his horn I'll show him that a Cadillac Is not a car to scorn Beep, beep But the little Nash Rambler stayed right behind He still had on his brake He must have thought his car had more guts As he kept on tooting his horn I'll show him that a Cadillac Is not a car to scorn Beep, 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 beep His horn went beep, beep, beep My car went into passing gear And we took off with Gus Soon we were doing 90, must have left him in the dust When I peeked in the mirror of my car, I couldn't believe my eyes The little Nash Rambler was right behind, I think that guy could fly Beep, 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 this one went beep, beep, beep Now we're doing 110, this certainly was a race For a Rambler to pass a caddy, would be a big disgrace The guy was the one who passed me out, he's kept on tooting his horn I'll show him that a Cadillac is not a car to scorn now we're doing 120 as fast as I could go The rapper pulled alongside of me as if we're going slow The fellow rolled out his window and yelled for me to hear Hey buddy, how can I get this 
Beep Beep, a song that made it to number four on the U.S. Billboard charts in 1958. That song was also a hit in Britain, but over there the BBC outlawed the use of brand names in song lyrics, and so for the European market the story became a race between a bubble car and a limousine. Well, those drivers were definitely in a hurry, but not so with Peggy Lee back in 1948 when she wrote and recorded a fun song called Manana is Soon Enough for Me. The faucet she is dripping and the fence she's falling down. My pocket needs some money so I can go in the town. My brother isn't working and my sister doesn't care. The car, she needs a motor so I can go anywhere. Manana, manana, manana is for me. My mother's always working, she's working very hard. But every time she looks for me, I'm sleeping in the yard. My mother thinks I'm lazy, and maybe she is right. I'll go to work manana, but I gotta sleep tonight. Manana. She was so slow Why he gave the horse my money Is something I don't know Manana 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 Is From 1948, Peggy Lee with a song she wrote as well as recorded. Our next singer is Pee Wee King, a country music singer-songwriter. He wrote the Tennessee Waltz. In 1951, he had a hit song called Slowpoke, and it suggests that he might have been pretty frustrated with Peggy Lee and her attitude about punctuality. Here it is. (laughs) ¶¶ 
me waiting till it's getting aggravating. You're a slow pole. I wait and worry, but you never seem to hurry. You're a slow pole. Time means nothing to you. I wait and then late again. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, quarter to ten. Why should I linger every time you snap your finger, little slow pole? Why can't you hasten when you know the time's a waste and you're a slow pole, dear? Why should I keep trying to change you? It's not the thing to do. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slow pole too. Slowpoke, a song that was on the Billboard bestseller list for 22 weeks in 1951, and it peaked at number three. You're listening to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. Today our focus is on weird and wonderful recordings from the 1940s and 50s, and now it's time to bring in the Andrews sisters. If you've ever been hungry and had no money, You'll probably relate to the Andrews Sisters' 1945 Billboard Top 20 hit. It's an old-time ballad about a restaurant confrontation between an intimidating waiter and a diner with only 15 cents to spend. This is called One Meatball. He looked the menu through and through to see what 15 cents could do. One meatball, one meatball. 
simple dinner he had planned. The folks were startled, one and all, to hear that waiter loudly call. One meatball, one meatball. Hey, this here gent wants one meatball. The little man felt ill at ease and said, Some bread, sir, if you please. The waiter's voice roared through the hall. You get no bread with one meatball. One meatball. One meatball. You get no bread with one The Andrews Sisters, and One Meatball. Well, these days, I'm not sure 15 cents would get you anything in a restaurant. I've got my own personal experience with ultra-cheap eating. Back in the 1960s, when I was a college student in Oregon, I discovered I could get an inexpensive meal on the Seattle waterfront before I caught a ferry on my way back home to Port Angeles. I'd stop at Ivers near the ferry terminal and for just 41 cents, I could get French fries and a cup of clam nectar. It wasn't great dining, but it was enough to get me home. Well, for some more musical fun, let's check in with a country music singing team known as Lonzo and Oscar. In 1948, they introduced a song that has confounded listeners for 70 years. Unless you've got the lyrics in front of you, I defy you to follow the logic in I'm My Own Grandpa. Many, many years ago when I was 23 I was married to a widow who was pretty as could be This widow had a grown-up daughter who had hair of red My father fell in love with her and soon they two were with This made my dad my son-in-law and changed my very life My daughter was my mother cause she was my father's wife To complicate the matter even though it brought me joy I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy My little baby then became a brother-in-law to dad And so became my uncle, though it made me very sad For if he was my uncle, then that also made him brother 
of the widow's grown-up daughter, who of course is my stepmother. Father's wife then had a son who kept him on the run. He did. And he became my grandchild, for he was my daughter's son. Now it could my be. wife is now my mother's mother, and it makes me blue. Because although she is my wife, she's my grandmother too. Now if my wife is my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild. I don't believe it. And every time I think of it, it nearly drives me wild. For now I'll have become the strangest case you ever saw. As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. You said it. I'm my own grandpa. I'm my own grandpa. It sounds funny, I know, but it really is so. From 1948, I'm my own grandpa. You can look up those lyrics online, and if you've got enough patience, you can figure out how you, too, might technically be able to become your own ancestor. Well, not every fun recording from the 50s was strictly musical. The comedian and actor Andy Griffith gives us a good example from 1953. It's a monologue by a country preacher who accidentally finds himself in the stands of a college sports stadium, and he's trying to make sense of what he's seeing. Here's Andy Griffith with What It Was, Was Football. It was back last October, I believe it was. We was going to hold a tent service off at this college town, and we got there about dinner time on Saturday. And uh, different ones of us thought that we ought to get us a mouthful to eat before that we set up the tent. And so we got off of the truck and followed this little bunch of people through this small little bitty patch of woods there. And we come up on a big sign. It says, get something to eat here. And uh, I went up and got me two hot dogs and a big orange drink. And before that I could take every mouthful of that food, this whole raft of people come up around me and got me to where I couldn't eat nothing up like and I dropped my big orange drink. I did. Well, friends, they commenced to move, and they want so much that I could do but move with them. Well, we commenced to go through all kinds of doors and gates, and I don't know what all, and I looked up over one of them, and it says North Gate. And we kept on going through there, and pretty soon we come up on a young boy, and he says, Ticket, please. And I says, Friend, I don't have a ticket. I don't even know where it is that I'm going. I did. Well, he says, come out as quick as you can. And I says, I'll do her. I'll turn right around the first chance I get. <laughs> well, we kept on a moving through there, and pretty soon everybody got where it was that they was a-going because they parted, and I could see pretty good. I, I, I could. And what I seen was this whole raft of people a-setting on these two banks and a-looking at one another across this pretty little green cow pasture. <laughs> well, they was. 
and somebody had tucked and drawed white lines all over it and drove posties in it, and I don't know what all. And I looked down there, and I seen five or six convicts running up and down and a-blowing whistles. They was. And then I looked down there, and I seen these pretty girls wearing these little bitty short dresses and a-dancing around. And so I sat down and thought I'd see what it was that was going to happen. I did. And about the time I got set down good, I looked down there and I seen 30 or 40 men come running out of one end of a great big outhouse down there. <laughs> they did. And everybody where I was a setting got up and hollered. And about that time, 30 or 40 come running out of the other end of that outhouse and the other bank full, they got up and hollered. And I asked this fellow that was besetting beside of me, I says, friend, what is it that they're hollering for? Well, he whopped me on the back and he says, buddy, have a drink. <laughs> well, I says, I believe I will have another big orange. <laughs> and I got it and sat back down. And when I got down there again, I seen that them men had got in two little bitty bunches down there. <laughs> they had rail close together and they voted. <laughs> they did. They voted and elected one man apiece. And them two men come out in the middle of that cow pasture and shook hands like they hadn't seen one another in a long time. And then a convict come over to where they was a standing and he took out a quarter and they come in to odd man right there. <laughs> they did. Well, after a while, I seen what it was that there's odd man in for. It was that both bunches full of them men wanted this funny-looking little pumpkin to play with. <laughs> they did, and I know, friends, that they couldn't eat it because they kicked it the whole evening and it never busted. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, what I was telling was that both bunches full wanted that thing. And one bunch got it, and it made the other bunch just as mad as they could be. And friends, I seen that evening the awfulest fight that I have ever seen in my life. I did. They would run at one another and kick one another and throw one another down and stomp on one another and grind their feet in one another and I don't know what all. And just as fast as one of them would get hurt, they'd tote him off and run another one. <laughs> Well, they'd done that as long as I sat there. But pretty soon, this boy that had said, ticket please, he come up to me and he says, friends, you're gonna have to leave because it is that you don't have a ticket. And I says, well, all right. And I got up and left. And I don't know, friends, to this day, what it was that there's a doing down there, but I have studied about it. And I think that it's some kindly of a contest where they see which bunch full of them men can take that pumpkin and run from one end of that cow pasture to the other without either getting knocked down or stepping in something. Andy Griffith with a popular hit called What It Was Was Football. You're listening to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Sam Waldron, 
and today we're stretching the meaning of music just a little bit to round up some recordings that are, well, just pure fun. You're probably familiar with the Ink Spots, the 1940s singing group that recorded serious, slow songs about guys who are down on their luck in love. But the Ink Spots could bust loose once in a while, too. Here's a track they contributed to an album called The Vintage Album of Drugs, Sex, and Cigarettes. The song is called That Cat is High. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah, that cat is high. No bad look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. No bad look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. Now when you see him stumbling up and down the street, you know that cat's been drinking, got no shoes upon his feet. Man, he's high. I said that cat is high. Yes, he's high. Man, he's higher than a kite. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. Boys, he's high. Just look at them two black eyes. You know I wouldn't lie. He's higher than the sky. When you see him tipping round and round the block. Know that cat is very beat. Beat clean down to his socks. That cat is high. Boys, I wouldn't lie. Oh my, oh my, he's higher than a kite. Yeah. The Ink Spots and That Cat is High. Are we still having fun? If you grew up in the 50s, you're probably familiar with the deadpan comedy routines of a guy named Bob Newhart. And some of those routines made it onto the airwaves, even though disc jockeys, and I know this because I was one of them, had a hard time trying to figure out what to do with these recordings. Here's an example that's mercifully brief. Bob Newhart and the Upset Stomach commercial. 
I enjoy taking commercials which bug me and changing the very last line of them and making them come out the way I would like them to end. This is a commercial you've seen many times. Uh, you see a guy, the phone rings. He picks up the phone and he says, right, Mr. Johnson? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll be there in about half an hour. Right, sir. Goodbye. His wife comes in. She says, what happened? He says, they have a big sales meeting. I have to go and close the deal. And me with his upset stomach. <laughs> I better do something about it and fast. <laughs> and the next day, the wife picks up the phone and she says, John, how'd it go? It went great, honey. I was, I was just about to close the deal and I threw up on the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Newhart with that made-up radio commercial. Don't go away because still ahead at this hour are a truly shocking doo-wop version of a beautiful love ballad, a pretty awful recording by Frank Sinatra, and a sobering song about what might be in the middle of your house. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. Today we're playing 40s and 50s recordings that were made just for fun. The next minute or two may sound like real music, and it is, but bear with me because if you're in the mood for fun, this will be worth your while. To set this up, let's listen to a beautiful 1934 love song written by Rogers and Hart. The song is called Blue Moon, and it sounded like this when it was performed by the orchestra of Paul Weston, with Joe Stafford and the Pied Pipers. Somebody whisper, please adore me. And when I look That's one very traditional version of Blue Moon. And now here's how it sounded when it was performed in 1949 by jazz crooner Mel Torme. Okay, as you can hear, Blue Moon is a beautiful ballad, 
And then in 1959, along came a doo-wop group from Pittsburgh. The Marcells took a very different approach to this song, with a recording that might have made Rogers and Hart turn over in their graves. This recording was laid down in just two takes in the RCA studios in New York. A local DJ got his hands on a pre-release copy of the song and played it 26 times in one four-hour show. Take a listen and see what you think. You saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own. The Marcells and their definitely unorthodox version of Blue Moon. You're listening to 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. In today's show, we're exploring what might technically be called novelty songs, and we've got one by Ethel Merman. Ethel Merman exploded onto the Broadway scene in 1930, singing I Got Rhythm. Over her career, she performed in 13 Broadway musicals and starred in 14 movies. Here's what Irving Berlin once said about her. Give her a bad song and she'll make it sound good. Give her a good song and she'll make it sound great. And you better write her a good lyric because the guy in the last row of the second balcony is going to hear every syllable. Ethel Merman was fearless and brash, and she had no trouble wading into a mixed-up love song like this one. It's called, I Said My Pajamas. Hey, baby. Wait up a minute. I got some talk for you. What's cooking, Doc? Oh, I mean, hello, honey. Hello. I want to see you, too. You know, I've been in a spin ever since I left you last night. You? 
get a load of what's happened to me. I climbed up the door and opened the stairs. I said my pajamas and put on my prayers. I turned off the bed and crawled into the light. And all because you kissed me. Good night. Well, what do you know? So that's what's doing it. That's the way I figure it. Well, this is what happened to me last night. I powdered my hair and pinned up my nose. I hung up the bath and I turned on my clothes. I put out the clock and wound the cat up tight. And all because you kissed me. Good night. By evening I felt normal, so we went out again. You said good night and kissed me. I hurried home and then. So tell me. I climbed up the door and opened the stairs. I said my pajamas and put on my prayers. I turned off the bed and crawled into the light. And all because you kissed me. Good night. What a mess. But tell me, was it worth it? Ah. Me too. Of course, I ran up the shade and pulled down the stair. I curled up the rug and I vacuumed my hair. I just couldn't tell my left foot from my right. And all because you kissed me. Good night. I hung me on the chair and put my pants to bed. Then I scratched my pancakes, poured syrup on my head. Then I kissed the mirror and filled me with delight. And all because you kissed me. Good night. My head was gaily spinning. I nearly blew a fuse. I tied knots in my spaghetti. And poured ketchup on my shoes. I climbed up the door and opened the stairs. I said my pajamas and put on my prayers. I turned off the bed and crawled into the light. Why? Twas all because you kissed me. And how I love to kiss you. Then you do think it was worth it? Oh, baby. Good night. Ethel Merman and a nonsense love song called I Said My Pajamas. Well, all of us here at 45 RPM, actually that's just me, all of us are interested in hearing from our listeners. I'll give you my email address, so grab a pencil and write this down in case you've got some music you'd like to hear or a suggestion for a theme for a future show. Email me at sam.waldron.45 at gmail.com. That's sam.waldron.45 at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the program. I'd like to have your feedback. I don't expect to be taking requests, but I might make an exception if I get something pretty interesting. For example, Linda wants to hear a song about how to dump her no-good boyfriend. In that case, I'll find something. A few minutes ago, we heard a fake radio commercial from Bob Newhart. Audiences in the 1950s were also familiar with the deadpan comedy of Stan Freeberg, who liked to do spoofs of a popular TV series called Dragnet. Here's an example, his comedy skit called Little Blue Riding Hood. The 
the story of Little Blue Riding Hood is true. Only the color has been changed to prevent an investigation. This is The Woods. My name is Wednesday. I work out of homicide. Monday, February the 2nd, 10.22 a.m. Bumped into chicken licking. Told me the sky was falling. I booked her on the 6.14, turned her over to the psychiatrist. Then a call came in at a 5.03. When I was on my way to the 5.03, a 6.18 came in. I added up the 6.14, the 5.03, and the 6.18. Got 1,735. I handed in my paper to the chief. He corrected it, gave me 100%, patted me on the head. Told me I was a good cop. 11.45 a.m. it happened. I saw a little girl in the blue hood carrying a basket. I stopped to question her. Pardon me, ma'am. Can I talk to you for just a minute, ma'am? What about? Nothing much, ma'am. Just want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. What's your name? Little Blue Riding Hood. Where are you going, ma'am? Grandma's house. Yes, ma'am. What do you got in the basket? What are you trying to say? I got something in the basket I shouldn't have? No, ma'am. I didn't say that. Then why are you asking me all these questions for? Just routine, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. May I have a look in that basket, ma'am? Be my guest. Let's see. Sawed-off shotgun. Knife. Bludgeon. Box of dum-dum shells. Nothing suspicious here. All right, ma'am, we may want to talk to you later, so don't leave the woods. She skipped on down the path, but she didn't know I'd seen the concealed compartment in the basket. In it, what I'd suspected all along. Goodies. My job, get to Grandma's before she did. I took a shortcut through the strawberry patch. It was sort of a strawberry shortcut. I walked up to the cottage, rang the bell. Okay, Grandma, it's a raid. A raid? Why, I'm just a peace-loving old lady. You've got the wrong Grandma. Yes, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. Where'd you get that bump on your head? The sky fell on me this morning. I made a note to book her on the 614 and turned her over to the psychiatrist. I tied her up, put her in the closet, then I put on the Grandma suit and got into bed. Come in, ma'am. Hello, Grandma. I got the loot. What are you doing in bed? I'm feeling poorly. But, Grandma, what big ears you have? All the better to get the facts. I just want to get the facts, ma'am. But, Grandma, what a big subpoena you have in your pocket. All the better to serve you with. But, Grandma, what a big 38 police special you have pointed at me. All the better to take you in. You're under arrest. You and your Grandma are operating a goodies ring. A cop? I should have known. Known what, ma'am? You look nothing like my Grandma. You forgot about the mustache. But I don't have a mustache. I know. But Grandma does. Well, I see you broke the goodies ring. How'd you get a lead on her, Joe? I just played a hunch, Frank. It was just a hunch. I played my luck. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. I was just lucky. I just played a hunch, Frank. What you're trying to say, Joe, is you just played a hunch. A lucky guess. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. You just played a hunch. Is that what you're trying to tell me, Joe? Yeah. I just played a hunch. That was Stan Freeberg. And now let's get back to some real music from the famous crooner Frank Sinatra. Some of Sinatra's fans and even his biographers seem to agree that what we're about to hear was the worst song he ever recorded. The song was dreamed up by Mitch Miller, who noticed a lot of good chemistry between Sinatra and a buxom actress named Dagmar. Miller commissioned the writing of this song, complete with intentionally off-key singing and the sounds of barking dogs. Here's the result called Mama Will Bark. (laughs) 
My feet were killing me, my dogs were barking. I must have fallen asleep where I was parking. And then I dreamed two dogs were talking. Take my word, it was the doggonest thing you ever heard. She said, Mama will bark. You look so lovely in the moonlight. Yes, but Papa will bark. Your eyes are shining like the starlight. Yes, but Mama will bark. Your lips are so inviting, darling. Give me one more kiss. <coughs> Mama will spank. The night is young and you are here so near. But Papa will spank. Please let me whisper in your ear, my dear. But Mama will spank. This is the moment I have dreamed of, darling. Oh, what to bliss. I think that I shall never see a tree as lovely as thee. Hot dog, what? Take me right home. I wish the night would never end. I know, but Papa will spank. I'd like to be more than a friend. I know, but Mama will bark. You know I'm crazy about you, honey. Give me one more kiss. Give me a kiss. I really have to go. My ma will worry. Give me a kiss. It's getting late. I really have to hurry. <laughs> well, just a teensy weensy little one, and then good night. Give me your paw. Something inside me says I really shouldn't. Let me hold your paw. If it was anybody else, I wouldn't. Give me your paw. The way you make me stay out late with you, it just ain't right. <laughs> I swear that I shall never see a canine lovely as thee. Hot dog, woof. Take me right home. I wish the night would never end. I know, but Papa will spank. I'd like to be more than a friend. I know, but Mama will bark. You know I'm crazy about you, honey. Give me one more kiss. Ah, so you're the air dealer has been keeping me thought out late every night, huh? Well, take that, and take that, and take that. Hot dog, woof. From 1951, Frank Sinatra and Dagmar with Mama Will Bark. Well, as we get closer to the end of this hour, this seems like a good time for a double dose of silliness. So we're going to start a two-song set with a folk song called the MTA. It's about a man named Charlie who couldn't get off a train in Boston because he didn't have five cents for the exit fare. The song was recorded by the popular singing group known as the Kingston Trio. And their song will immediately be followed by something from a group known as the Clovers. First, the Kingston Trio, and then the Clovers from 1959 with Love Potion Number 9. These are the times that try men's souls. In the course of our nation's history, the people of Boston have rallied bravely whenever the rights of men have been threatened. Today, a new crisis has arisen. The Metropolitan Transit Authority, better known as the MTA, is attempting to levy a burdensome tax on the population in the form of a subway fare increase. Citizens, hear me out. 
this could happen to you. Well, let me tell you of the story of a man named Charlie on a tragic and fateful day. He put ten cents in his pocket just his wife and family went to ride on the MTA. Well, did he ever return? No, he never returned, and his fate is still unlearned. He may ride forever neath the streets of Boston. He's the man who never returned. Charlie handed in his dime at the Kendall Square station, and he changed for Jamaica Plain. When he got there, the conductor told him one more nickel. Charlie couldn't get off of that train. But did he ever return? No, he never returned, and his fate is still unlearned. Poor old Charlie. He may ride forever neath the streets of Boston. He's the man who never returned. Now all night long, Charlie rides through the station, crying, what will become of me? How can I afford to see my sister in Chelsea or my cousin in Roxbury? But did he ever return? No, he never returned, and his fate is still unlearned. He may ride forever neath the streets of Boston. He's a man who never returned. Charlie's wife goes down to the Scully Square station every day at quarter past two. And through the open window she hands Charlie a sandwich as the train comes rumbling through. But did he ever return? No, he never returned. And his fate is still unlearned. He may ride forever neath the streets of Boston. He's the man who never returned. Pick it, baby. Citizens of Boston, don't you think it's a scandal how the people have to pay and pay? Fight the fair increase, vote for George O'Brien, get for Charlie off the MTA. Or else he'll never return, no, he'll never return, and his fate is still unlearned. Just like Paul. He may ride forever beneath the streets of Boston, he's the man who never returned. He's the man who never returned. He's the man who never returned. Charlie. I took my troubles down to Madame Rue. You know that gypsy with the gold cap too. She's got a pad on 34th and Vine. Selling little bottles of love potion number nine. I told her that I was a flop with chicks. I've been this way since 1956. She looked at my palm and she made a magic sign. She said, what you need is love potion number nine. She bent down and turned around and gave me a wink. She said, I'm gonna mix it up right here in the sink. It smelled like turpentine and looked like India ink. I held my nose, I closed my eyes. I took a drink. I didn't know it was a day or night I started kissing everything in sight But when I kissed a cop at 34th and Vine He broke my little bottle of love potion number nine 
That set started with the Kington Trio and MTA, and just now we heard the Clovers with their hit Love Potion Number no. 9. The Clovers, by the way, were the most successful R&B group of the 50s, and this was their most successful foray onto the pop charts. Well, I'd like to think that so far today this show has taught us some valuable lessons, though I can't for the life of me think of what those lessons might be. So for our very last song, just in case we've been having too much fun, let's get serious. This is a song about residential architecture, and if you're ever going to buy or build a house, you should keep this valuable lesson in mind. Here's Rusty Draper and In the Middle of the House. Oh, the railroad comes through the middle of the house. The railroad comes through the middle of the house. The trains all come through the middle of the house since the company bought the land. They let us live in the front of the house. They let us live in the back. But there ain't no living in the middle of the house because that's the railroad track. When a bill collector comes to the house, he knocks and bangs on the door. So he set him right down in the middle of the house And he never comes back no more No, he never comes back no more The railroad comes through the middle of the house The railroad comes through the middle of the house He comes and goes through the middle of the house And the trains are all on time And here comes the 509 Oh, the railroad comes through the middle of the house in and out of the middle of the house Right smack dab to the middle of the house Where the parlor used to be There's a great big door in the front of the house There's a little old door in the back But we can't have doors in the middle of the house Cause that's the railroad track A relative came to visit the house He liked to scream and fuss So he sat him right down in the middle of the house And he never more bothered us no, he never more bothered us. The railroad comes through the middle of the house. The railroad comes through the middle of the house. He comes and goes through the middle of the house since the company bought the land. I'm singing this song in the middle of the house. That was Rusty Draper. And that's it for today's edition of 45 RPM, music of the 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Sam Waldron, and next time we'll have a more conventional music show for you, but I promise we'll have some fun too. I hope you'll join me for that. <laughs>